gonna die, clown! And that's what I call high quality a tool. I'm Scuba Sam! Scuba Steve's father! We eat the pig and then together we burn! Well, I have a microphone and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! Hey everyone, and welcome to a very, very, very special episode of the Billy Gilmore podcast. Uh, the podcast for the discerning Adam Sandler fan, the pod for the fan of the Sandman. As always, I'm your host, Wilson Smith, and joining me are... Hi, this is Chris Giles. And Austin Cole. And we're very, very, very excited to have you with us for, as I said, a very special, a very, very, very special episode, <laughs> as opposed to the very special episodes that have constituted the rest of the show. Um, we are here, well... We are here to, of course, talk about uh, the life and work of one Adam Sandler, um, specifically uh, through the context of his 2019 Netflix opus, Murder Mystery. Um, but more than that, um, you know, for those of you who have been listening to the pod uh, since we began, um, we are it's, – it's, it's somewhat bittersweet um, to announce that we have reached uh, – with Sandler, at least, with star, Sandler starring vehicles, we have reached the end of the line. Um I never really, I never seriously thought this day would come. You know, there's a million things that could happen, you know, burnout and people getting new jobs and global pandemics. Um, anything can happen, but I'm, I'm really grateful to be here uh, having, you know, about to cross this finish line, um, this particular finish line, but uh, we're going to keep going after that, more about which a little bit later. Um, so yeah, it's been a little while since we've recorded, you know, since COVID, you know, all Stuff about the Delta variant aside, you know, things have been opened up a little bit more. I think all of us have been, you know, somewhat bu- certainly busier than we were the last year um, going out and catching up with friends and activities and stuff. So uh, the podcast output slowed a little bit and we, uh, you know, thank you for your patience uh, on in that regard. Um, so, yeah, we've uh, but we've made it. Um I don't really know. There's been, it's been long enough that I don't know what the Sandler news is. I mean, I follow him on Twitter. He, he tweets about stuff um, pretty regularly. You know, he's got he's got funny comments on occasion. I don't think there's been any more about new movies or, you know, he hasn't signed on to anything. I don't believe like nothing since we last discussed it. Um, upcoming for sure. We have the Netflix basketball movie mm-hmm. and we have the um, the. Spaceman, Sandman movie. Yep. Um, so we've got those things. Um, we do, we do the one the one thing that I did see in the past few weeks that I was like, oh no, that has to be like news for the podcast was uh, unfortunately um, unfortunately one member of the of the Sandler Squad came out is pretty virulent. Well, I won't say that. That won't be the adjective I use. Um, I was going to say virulently anti-vax. It's not virulent. He's not. Uh, it's it's. Bad choice of words. Anyways, Rob Schneider, uh, <laughs> he has bad opinions a lot of the times. Uh, we won't say anything about his movie output because that's going to come later. But yeah, uh, he said some nonsense about the vaccines. Don't listen to him. It doesn't seem like because Netflix is mandating vaccines for their employees. I wonder if this means we won't get another season of what's that show that he's on? Real Rob. Real Rob. <laughs> so I don't know if they're going to just have to like social distance from everyone's going to have to social distance except for Rob who knows. Um, but that's some news. That's unfortunate. <laughs> Apparently back in uh, late July, they were doing casting calls for 
basketball extras for the basketball movie. So I guess they're still shooting it potentially. Yeah, cool. So that's, you know, that's, it's good to know that, you know, they're out there filming. I mean, you know, with all the COVID stuff, I mean, I know things are, I know productions are going, but it's still kind of stop and start, touch and go. And uh, I guess a big thing that happened between the last one and this one is Sandler's got another film in the Criterion Collection. Oh, that's right. Yes. So the Sandman, uh, Uncut Gems has been added to the Criterion Collection. Um, and as we noted in our, you know, our host group chat, um, you know, it's it's great. It's exciting. But, you know, it's not quite on the level of as glad as we are. Oh, okay, sorry, I won't speak for the two of you, but I'll my piece on this is that as glad as I am to have two Sandler films in the Criterion Collection, as cool as it is to say that, the only thing that would make it cooler if they is if they weren't the con- they're they're brilliant, they're masterpieces. I love these movies to death. But it would be even cooler to me, to my sick and twisted brain, if they weren't the consensus choices for right. good Sandler movies. If they put out fucking if they put out fucking that's my boy and uh, the week of, I'd be sitting here telling everybody like Criterion, they're they're fucking madmen. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. like, look, like, like at this point, you know, we have we have Criterion editions for Breakfast Club, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, The Big Chill, and I have no argument with that. Those are, you know, those are generational touchstones, and and you know, and worthy editions. Um, let's also, of course, not forget about Armageddon and Rock, the two most beloved Criterion editions. Um, so it would like, I, I feel like it's not completely out of the realm of possibility or you know like in my in my in my silly fantasy world of them like throwing down for billy madison which has which is like which like it's i figure like if they wanted to kind of get like criterion highfalutin they could you know like they, they really focus on like the absurd humor of it all and 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 this and that you could you know you could have you could have like a jonathan Lethem or someone write the essay for it. like i don't know like you could like you could spin it in a way to where i feel like it like if like if i can squint i can see the possibility of them throwing one of the dumb ones so to speak in the collection uh having said all that i think it's great that uncut gems and punch truck love are there but yeah like if you if you know if you had asked me like oh hey two movies are going to be in the collection guess which ones they are and like well that wouldn't be a very hard, a very hard. Right. Thing yeah. Um, and and to be clear, like anytime I've ever rolled my eyes at, at like at or about those movies, it's not the movies, which are wonderful films. It's the kind of fandom around them, like as you know the the sort of fair weather Sandler fans who are like, oh yeah, he's good when you know he wants to be when like he works with real directors. Like Ugh, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think we'll see another one in the next couple of years, which will probably be like the Noah Bomba um, one, yeah. right? Yeah, because that's a because that's a Netflix movie, and they like ne- they put out a lot of Netflix movies on Criterion. And, if you know, they, and they have a great relationship with Noah too, of course. <laughs> if you had to choose one to get like a the special treatment and be like up upgraded, so to speak, in that, well, which one would it be? Like, what's the one that would be like? This is the one that you could see happening and is actually like, I guess that's two different questions, really. <laughs> I, it's weird. I, I don't know why these are the two. I, I can think, well, <laughs> I honestly, okay, so honestly, I'd say either, I would say either, um, I would say either Billy Madison 
or Click. Oh, wow. Because I think Click has the, like, I could absolutely see someone doing the 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 writing. I, I mean, maybe it will be me, but writing the, uh, <laughs> the comparing it to Capra uh okay. essay like in that in that booklet um you know i can see arguments made for like happy gilmore um or even something like the wedding singer but so, for some reason um click feels like one of those one the reason i pick click is because it feels like one of those ones where at first we'd be like huh oh yeah that makes sense like <laughs> it's uh that, that's interesting um this is this is both sort of a jokey answer, but also something that I would genuinely, with all sincerity, be excited to own is if they, you know, if they, if the grownups films are like Sandler's version of, a, of like Richard Linklater movies, then, and following that thought, what if they did like a grownups, you know, uh, duo sort of collection, not unlike their beautiful um, before like you know before sunrise trilogy that they put out like <laughs> yeah. that would never happen and i don't expect them to but you know that would be my dream world choice um more likely uh click is a is a is a good notion or maybe they could get away with like a billy and happy um like do i i i don't know that's tricky um yeah yeah, there are like there are the select movies that have been deemed like the like the the worthy artistic ones, and the rest of them are just dumb. What's interesting about Click though is that it's firmly in the pocket of like his dumb humor, but his performance in that is undeniable. Like even to like the most like hardened like don't give a shit about Sandler cynics, I like like you know, as as a as as Orson Welles once said about Make Way for Tomorrow, that movie can make a stone cry, and that is. Really <laughs> I guess I didn't bring up funny people, which I think years from now oh, would be right. an obvious inclusion. It'd be an incredible choice, honestly. That that would be a more Fuck. likely one. I almost forgot about it. Fuck, you're right, dude. Because like I could I could absolutely see them picking, and I would love if they picked a Judd Apatow movie to go into the collection. And I feel that's that's another one that kind of has that like what? Oh yeah, like kind of thing. Where it's like yeah, of course they would put it out. Yeah. Can I make um, a real awkward uh, segue to our to our movie of uh, of of the day? Um, sure. I was I was as I was rewatching Murder Mystery. The first ten minutes or so feel like an attempt at like a Judd Apatow thing, and just it being dead in the water. I really like this movie, but but like the first fifteen minutes or so are lethal. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the comedian? It's a name. Is it Al? Oh yeah. What is that guy's name? Al, it's not Al Magical, is it? No, that's not uh, like his cop buddy. Yeah, let's see. It's um um uh uh Eric Griffin. Okay, he's very familiar to me. He's on Workaholics. Okay, as and and also Kyle Newichek, the director of Murder Mystery, um, is a big workaholics guy i think i believe he was like a co-creator and a star I believe, i'm not familiar with that program but yeah he directed that he directed that one netflix movie that was like the, that starred the workaholics guys it was like a diehard like a diehard spoof game yeah over or something. Game, game over, over man yeah game i never saw man right game over man which i never saw um but uh Yes, yeah, so of course we are here. Uh, that's that's a great segue. Uh, if we're done, unless anyone has any other points about the the Criterion Collection thing, we're happy he's there. 
I hope they get more adventurous. Yeah, totally, totally agree on that front. Yeah, um, I hope I hope someone picks up the slack, like a shout factory, and releases some really cool, like Billy Madison. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah, there needs to be a, like a screen I, factory, but for comedies. I mean, I guess Shout Factory will put out comedies, but like I feel like that as a genre needs to get more love. I wonder if it, like Arrow kind of does their more like foreign genre thing, but they've put out some beautiful editions of all kinds of stuff, um, including you know slightly more like mainstream like uh, American fare. So like Shout or Arrow, I think could you know hopefully do something beautiful with like, you know, Billy Addison, Happy Gilmore, or, you know, I, uh, as like, as, as we talked about, um, I would love some kind of uh, reappraisal of that's my boy, which has been one of the true um, discoveries for me of this podcast, because that movie is wild. That's my boy feels like one that should be put out by like, 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 the same, like, I don't know, like the thing that the, the label that puts out like Cannibal Holocaust or something. That's, <laughs> that's why it feels like a movie that it's like, oh, like Code Red. 50 years from now, they'll 50 years from now, they'll show a restored print at Fantastic Fest. And it'll be like, God, how how did how did audiences not just burn the theater down when this came out? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, of course, we're here to talk about Murder Mystery. Uh, Murder Mystery is uh, the first Adam Sandler movie that was released after we started recording the yeah. podcast. Um, and, you know, since then, obviously, we've had Uncut Jones, which we recorded when it came out. And we had Hubie Halloween, which we recorded when that came out. Um, and Murder Mystery, we were just, you know, we, 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 we talked about this at the beginning of our run. And we, we were kind of debating whether or not to do a full episode on Murder Mystery. I know we talked about it a little bit, just that we had watched it, like, as news. But, um you know, to do a full episode on murder mystery, whether we should go ahead and do it then, or if we should maintain the chronological timeline. Um, and we made that choice. And I think it was, a, I think it was a decent one. Um, you know, I was happy to revisit this movie for the first time in two years and happy to, um, I mean, I've seen it in bits and pieces, uh, you know, as background noise, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. And I feel like we, we are even more well-equipped to discuss it because we've had uh, two years, literally two years of uh, discussing Adam Sandler's filmography since then. Um, and what what works, what doesn't work, hit the trends, all that stuff. And it all kind of comes to an interesting, um, an interesting head here uh, in the summer of 2019. Um, so yeah, of course, I didn't take, my notes were not as extensive this time. So, um, we, you know, we'll, we'll just sort of, the, the whole plot is kind of like a light riff on murder mysteries anyway. So we don't, we can, treat that stuff with a light touch. Um, right. Like, but, yeah. way, like, we'll just, you know, in recent months uh, going over, you know, like firmly his Netflix era, Murder Mystery is not my favorite uh, Adam Sandler Netflix film, but it is like the most Netflix film I feel like he's done. Like, I feel like with this and I guess Hubie Halloween, he perfects the very specific kind of hard to like articulate Netflix comedy with like with, with those. This is a movie and, and it sounds like a backhanded compliment. And I don't mean it to be. This is a movie that is tailor made for like folding laundry and, you know, and like you're checking emails while it's on. That sounds like a shitty thing to say. I don't it, 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 that's not what I'm going for. It just it has it, like it's right in that pocket of like lounging on the couch type of vibes. Um, it's a it, 
it could be better. Like it could be tighter. This movie is in no real demand of itself to be to be like great. It's mm-hmm. so content to be fine. But I find that sort of charming. And I've you know, and I have like comfortably kind of half watched it several times since since its release. Um you know, sure. it's it's I and you know, uh the the Sandler Aniston chemistry is very real. Um and I you know, and I enjoy seeing them here as well as just go with it. Um, it looks like there might be possibly in the works, um, like a another murder mystery, uh, you know, between uh, between mm-hmm. Sandler and, and Aniston's characters, which is great. Like, we, uh, Austin and I were mentioning how this movie kind of hits maybe like, or like it, it scratches the same itch that made Knives Out a big hit. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Well, the one the thing that this really um, the movie that this really reminds me of in a lot of ways is um, and for obvious reasons is a uh, Woody Allen's Manhattan Murder Mystery. Yes. Um, and one of the one of the main not just in terms of the subject matter, but also in terms of, um, you know, we all know or most of us, if you've ever read an Agatha Christie novel or seen a British mystery show, you know, the format of the, you know, the, the classical murder mystery structure. And in both, you know, the case of something like Manhattan murder mystery or the Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston murder mystery, it's sort of like, oh, you're watching some old pros who you just like spending time with. Now I'm, I'm speaking about Manhattan murder mystery when it was released back in the day. Obviously now there's other shit we wouldn't, we won't get into that would maybe preclude that that sense of identification or, or affection, but having, I'll still maintain that the pleasure of something like Manhattan murder mystery is like, if you like the pairing of those two actors together, just sort of going through there, neither move, neither film is, is, is going to break a sweat trying to be a particularly clever or innovative example of the murder mystery genre. But like, let's just see, our friends go yeah. through, let's see our friends Adam and Jen go through this plot line right and for the uh, for the uninitiated I've never seen uh, Manhattan murder mystery the the log line on IMDb is a middle-aged couple suspects foul play when their neighbor's wife suddenly drops dead which is very close to what this is yeah um, and like you know like a couple that's not like really in a rut but like you know they're you know just you know like kind of like comfortably living their lives to the point of boredom, you know, and like the wife's feeling a little like discontented. Yeah. Very much in the same mode. Um, both movies are, yeah, yeah, like in, you know, like clearly like under no pressure to prove anything. It's just, it, it's just kind of like a, a, a relaxedly good time. And unlike just go with it, which, although I find myself in the camp of actually enjoying that movie more than most, um, that's certainly if you want to be a little, you know, snipey, that's firmly in the pocket of Sandler's, like, paid vacation movies. At least with Burger Mystery, it's the the vacation of it all is a bit more elegantly baked into the plot of, like, oh, you know what, I promised you a fun vacation 15 years ago. Now I'm going to finally, you know, make good on that. So, yes, honey, you know, wife, let's go on a vacation. And then, you know, they make friends with a rich guy, and then silliness ensues. Like, it's, um, you know, Scooby's 97 minutes and they're on the plane within 10 15 minutes i think like it the first like couple of scenes of men are for mars what w- w- like women are for 
are from Venus kind of like marital bickering is a bit much and like not the best way to kick off this movie. But once it gets going, it's a pretty solid pleasure cruise. Agreed. Yeah, it's um. So, yeah, so this movie is um, before we talk more about the plot, um, you know, this film, obviously, at this point, Sandler is a very, very, very established commodity on Netflix already we're well by 2019 you know 2019 is the year the irishman comes out and so you know we're well into like it's no longer sandler's no longer some weird kind of kind of pitiful out you know the way people saw it where it was like oh no his star has fallen he's got to go to netflix no longer seen that way at all the dude is like it's bigger than he's ever been on netflix mm-hmm. he comes out with this movie murder mystery and I do find it kind of interesting that, um, as we have we've talked about on this podcast before, the ever shifting, uh, the mercurial relationship that critics have to Adam Sandler. Um, I, I I do think this is a hypothetical. We can never know this, so I mean, this is a little bit little bit you know bad hat. But I do think that if if this film had been released six months after it was released, and nothing about it was different. The Rotten Tomatoes score goes up by 10, 15 points only because it's like, you know, just the reviews, the reviews for Hubie Halloween, the tenor of the reviews was so much more like, this is hard. Like, like even at worst, it's like, look, this is harmless. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, until he makes another, until he makes another Uncut Gems, like, who am I to like, who am I to get mad at? Like, even like, <laughs> like people who have like always despised it, like, who am I to get mad at a guy? Like, he seems to be having fun. What's the harm? Um, and Murder Mystery is absolutely 100% in that same vein but like you read certain reviews and it was like pre uncut gems everyone's just like people are still just like it i mean it, it it got mixed reviews it wasn't like a jack and jill level thing but it's still like the negative reviews are so vitriolic and hateful and it's like like he personally like it's not like oh i don't want to go on this vacation with adam sandler but it's like he came and ruined my vacation <laughs> like that's the level of vitriol that it feels like and it's like man like just just turn it off. Like, who cares? Yeah. Um, there was kind of um, like, oh, he's back to being lazy again. Like, like sort of thing. And I'm like, what do you like? What, what do you want this movie to be that that it's not being for you? Like, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like yeah, it could be tighter. It could be shorter. But like, yeah. I would be afraid that came out like right near Uncut Gems that people would be like, look at these two compared, and it's just like. You got this, and you got blah. That's true. Maybe a calendar year. Maybe if it had come out at the same time, as it, maybe if it, if Murder Mystery had been in place of Hubie Halloween, mm-hmm. like yeah. if Hubie Halloween came out later. Yeah, I think it's so. It's so uh, you know. I think like deliberately designed to be a good vibe comfort movie that had it come out like post lockdown, I imagine it would have been a lot more warmly received. Uh, like for you know. As, as you said, for similar reasons with uh, Hubie Halloween. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of fascinating. But also a notable thing is that this is, as of recently, so like, I mean, as of like now, Murder Mystery is the most watched Adam Sandler film on, on Netflix. And not only that, but it is the number five most watched original title of for Netflix in their entire <laughs> history. Now I know there's a lot of speculation online about those numbers and how they arrive at those numbers and what the general public is not seeing and what they strategically release and all sorts of, we're just not, not 
parsing, not split any of those hairs, but just going by their officially released numbers, Murder Mystery is the most watched Sandler film on the platform. So that's notable. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite of the Netflix Sandler films. Obviously, that's the week of, but um, it's still like I, it's not hard to imagine why a movie like this would uh, would catch would catch up with people, and especially you know in the context of as this sounds so insulting, and I think maybe five years ago I would have meant it as an insult, but like yeah, like a movie where it's like yeah, you're just doing your laundry, you're like you know yeah. you're. You're, it's in the background, like, you know, you've seen it once and you know it, and it's kind of the perfect, it's it's like the replacement of those movies that was like, if it was on TNT, you're just going to watch it to the end. Like, yes. you know, like, and there's a whole, there's a whole category of movies that don't really exist anymore. That used to be the kind of things that would come out in theaters and like kind of underperform or like you wouldn't see, you, you like, you wouldn't think they were that great. And then you would just see them all the time on TV and eventually you would just watch them all the time. <laughs> right. So, man. Saving Silverman, yeah, that's a great example. I mean, ha- I mean, I know Half Baked like got a difficult following for a different reason, but honestly, Half Baked was a movie that like didn't make much of an impact when it came out, and then everyone like just watching it on Comedy Central, it's like, oh, is this movie really like funny? Like, I'm just gonna put it on like all the time. Uh-huh. Um, this is yeah, it, like yeah. It, it has it's it, like like an early odds Kate Hudson movie. I don't know, like it's sure, it's, yeah. Um, so we discuss the plot uh, just a just a touch. Um, so um, Adam Sandler, the film film the film is murder mystery. It's directed by Kyle Newichek, uh, as aforementioned workaholics guy. Um, first Sandler film that he's he's directed at first and to date only. Um, and uh, the film stars Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston, reuniting from 2011's Just Go with It. Um, and <laughs> the film there, it's Nick. It's Nick and Audrey, right? That's their names? Yes. yes. Nick and Audrey um, Spitz. Nick and Audrey Spitz. Uh, they are uh, a, a couple living in New York. He is a cop. She is a hairdresser. They've been together for 15 years, or at least they've been, mar- they've been married for 15 years. And uh, he has – when we meet him walking down the street with his partner, he has uh, – his, his police partner, he has uh, just – failed his detective's exam for the third straight time, which means he's going to have to wait for a while to take it again. Um, And he's talking about how, like, oh, like, I can't tell Audrey that I failed my detective's exam again. Um, You know, we're going to dinner tonight, so, like, you and your wife just need to lie about it. Um, We see Jennifer Aniston at her hairdressing job talking about, you know, guys who – you know, like they're the guy, like their husbands who like, oh, they won't go out of their way to do anything. Um, they're watching, I think, The Bachelor. My girlfriend pointed it out. She was like, oh, that contestant came out as gay later. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that was intentional. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why it would be, but I don't know. Um, and so Sandler goes to uh, a, a like a pharmacy or a convenience store um, and uh, catches a kid. He, he picks up an Amazon gift card. Uh for uh, he picks up an Amazon gift card, which is product placement watch number one, picks that up for uh, his wife. Um, and also Jennifer Aniston men- had, like mentions to him earlier that he's supposed to pick up Claritin, uh, but he gets Allegra instead. And I got to say about the repeated running gag about Claritin and Allegra in this movie. Do you have to give like fair warning to a company like Allegra where it's like, 
the joke is going to be constantly that your product doesn't work as compared <laughs> to Claritin. Like, is that a thing that Allegra could be like, hey, fuck you. Like, no, you can't. <laughs> I genuinely wonder that. It's like, did they, did they reach out to both of them and Claritin got back to them first? <laughs> it was like, all right, that's what we're going with. Like, and they were like, just go with it. <laughs> there it is. Um, but anyways, so he buys an Amazon gift card. He gets some Allegra for his wife. He catches a kid, a young teen shoplifting, um, he makes sure to mention the Monster Energy Drink and the Flamin' Hot Cheetos in the kid's bag. Um, so, you know, right off the bat, we're just getting a, delu- a fucking deluge of product placement uh, mentions. Um, Sandler and Aniston go to dinner with uh, Sandler's partner and that person's – that guy's wife, uh, played by someone from Veep. Uh, I'm not sure of the actress's name. She's only in the one scene. Um, but then um, – Let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. So I don't know. Like there's nothing really happens in the scene. It's, there's not much going on there. Um, nothing much happens in this o- opening 10 minutes. You don't really need that much like introductory detail. Um, but back at home, Aniston and Sandler, she's flossing her teeth really aggressively. He's trying to like, talk to her and make jokes or whatever. Um, and then she complains because like, babe, it's our 15th anniversary and you said you were going to take me to Europe and why haven't you taken me to Europe? And Sandler, you know, freaks out and improvises. He doesn't freak out, but he, he sort of like panics. And in the, in the moment he's like, babe, like, what do you mean? Like, of course, like I, I was going to surprise you tomorrow. Like we're going on this big Europe trip. And, uh, she's just like, Oh my God, thank you. Thank you. And we don't see what has to be a night full of frantic calls and emails. <laughs> Adam Sandler having to book la- like, like the night before plane and train and bus tickets, um, for Europe. And I mean, ho- hotel accommodation, whatever. Um, but, um, is it supposed to be the next day? Do they get on that plane the very next day? <laughs> That's my impression that it's the next day. That's what like, it seems like. They uh they 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 have a lot in savings for, you know, a beat cop and a hair and a hairdresser. And like, yeah, and the idea that like if it is the next day, the idea that you would just like if he wasn't gonna tell her until the next day, the idea that he'd just be like, All right, honey, get your bags packed, we're leaving in twenty minutes, like <laughs> for Europe. Like that's just that's just bananas. Um and I mean, she so, probably doesn't who has a passport? Like, who just had? If you've never been like over to Europe, who just has a passport ready? Yeah, exactly. Because they, you get the sense that they haven't. Like, I almost like, yeah, I might have like thrown in a line about that. It's like, well, we have those passports when we went to your cousin's wedding in Cancun or whatever. Like, you know, so, so, something like that. Because you're you're right. That is a detail where I'm like, wait, why would they have passports? Do they have relatives in Canada? Like, um, anyways, um, so they're on. They get on the plane. Um, and who's on the plane? Who greets us on the plane? Who greets the couple and us, the viewers? But the one and only Jackie Sandler. We got some Sandler squad. Um, I mean, of course, Jennifer Aniston, the Sandler squad. Uh, you know, but Jackie, Jackie Sandler. Um, she's you know got to be in the running for most Sandler squatted. Uh, you know, most appearances for a Sandler squad member for obvious reasons. Um, and oh, I forgot to mention in that bathroom scene, uh, Jennifer Aniston. Um, it's one of those great things in the Sandler movies where the, the logos are facing right to the camera. Um, she's flossing her teeth with a Glide, uh, like tooth tooth uh, the the um, floss stick. Little toothpicks. Right. Little toothpick floss thingies, um, and it's it's very recognizably Glide. Um, anyways, uh, 
they go on the plane and Jackie Sandler is sort of rude to Adam Sandler about the fact that like, oh, well, you would have had to, have, you know, like he asks about some accommodation and she's like, well, you would have had to have booked earlier. Um, you know, obviously it's a last minute trip. Um, incidentally, you would think this in another movie, this would come up as like, I'm just realizing that that's something that like sort of seems like it might be a plot point that it never comes like it never really comes up again. The idea that Sandler just through this trip, like, yes, it's like the bus stuff, like, you know, the, you know, him kind of putting together a shoddy trip, but you would think it would be like, Oh, like, like you lied about having this trip together or you lied about this being like, I don't know. It's like, you kind of think they're setting up for like, he, like, Oh, he deceived his wife and claimed that he had a big special trip plan. And that just isn't a concern at a certain point. Honestly, the whole Claritin Allegra thing feels like a setup for a joke that's never really paid off. Like, you think that because he gets, like, the shittier medicine that she's going to have some big, like, allergy flare-up scene or whatever. Like, it feels so much like it's setting something like that up. But no, it's just, like, some weird shots at Allegra. I don't know. There aren't really payoffs. There, there are things that seem like payoff, uh, setups, but there aren't really many payoffs in the movie. No. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, like, maybe to get it to like a, like a polite ninety-seven minutes, they just cut out some shit. But which, you know what? Fine. It's yep. fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. I, I, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining too hard, at least. I um, just, I just, uh, I, I just, I just double checked real quick. Just go with it. its running time is 117 minutes. Wow. Good on murder mystery for being 97. It's fine. It's yeah, <laughs> I remember. I do remember about Just Go. With, unlike Murder Mystery, I do remember the thing about Just Go with it that we talked extensively about in the review. Um, Blended also slightly shares this problem where it takes way too fucking long to get to the meat of the story. Where yeah. it's like, why are we? We know you're going on a trip. Why are we still here? <laughs> Stop this. Exactly. Um, this but, is probably the shortest of all the. Netflix movies, right? Yeah, because they tend to kind they kind of tend to run a little bit longer than you would expect. Like, um, I think the week of it, the week of I think is not that it's it's not too terribly long. Um, let's see. Uh, this oh, is shit. I'm wrong. 116 minutes. What in the world? Let's see. Uh, uh, Hubie is 102 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Hubie's 102. Uh, we've got uh, yeah, and and obviously. Uh, What's it called? Uh, Sandy Wexler is like weirdly long. Um, the do-over is 108. So you're right. This is the shortest, uh, the shortest of the Netflix ones. Yeah. Kind of a relief in a way. Not not to say that this movie is not good. I'm just saying like it's a relief in the sense of like ha- having this at the same length as like Sandy Wexler. I would have been a little bit more like, okay, where are we going? Where are we going? Yeah, yeah. The ridiculous six is two hours, man. <laughs> yeah, but there's a there's a lot of material in that movie. The ridiculous six to me is actually not paced that badly because there's just like so much bullshit they've got to shove into that movie. <laughs> like, what are you gonna do? Cut the baseball scene? Like, <laughs> right, right. You gonna cut the scene where they hang Taylor Lautner? I don't think so. <laughs> Oh man, oh, what a great movie. Um, <laughs> put that one out on net on uh, Criteria, you cowards. Oh God, there'd be riots. Um, it's the, it's Adam Sandler's uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Um, that's that's my that's my essay. Um, is it more Hawksian or Fordian? Let's find out, shall we? Um, anyways, or like Leone? I don't know. Um, so they're on the plane. They're on the plane, and um, Jennifer Anderson's reading a murder mystery, and this is where it's established that she loves reading murder mysteries. 
Um, and uh, once again, this only is this only comes up inter- intermittently throughout the rest of the movie. The fact that she should be really good at solving murder mysteries, um, but she really likes reading her mystery paperbacks. They have a conversation about how the butler always does. It's always the butler did it. No, it's never the butler did it. That's a cliche or like that's just what a stereotype. Um, And uh, Sandler uh, goes to sleep. Uh, He goes to sleep. And so Jennifer Aniston, uh, not wanting to pay nine dollars for headphones to or earplugs to drown out her husband's snoring, uh, sneaks into first class uh, and uh, takes a look at the bar. uh, And she meets who? Luke Evans. Luke Evans, of course, uh, star of two of them hobbits, them hobbit flicks. Uh, Luke Evans, who was in, uh, he's the villain in Fast and Furious Six, of course. He's one of the Shaw, <laughs> the Shaw brothers. He's Jason Statham's brother. Um, he is. Oh, I feel like I'm, I feel like there's something. I mean, he's in like he's in uh, that terrible Beauty and the Beast live action movie um, as guest oh, star. Um, oh, he's in the Paul W.S. Anderson Three Musketeers, uh, oh, which I'm uh, quite a fan of. That's a fun movie that Beating the Beast is not. Nope. Um, I saw so, that opening day. I'm still kind of upset about it. Oof, yeah, that's rough. Um, so Luke Evans is there playing Charles Cavendish, someone who clearly either owns the airline or is rich enough to be able to buy the airline because when mean suitors Jackie Sandler tries to throw Jennifer Aniston out of first class, He's like, no, 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 she's my guest. Um, and so Sandler wakes up, discovers his wife is missing, walks into uh, walks into first class, um, and has a funny has a funny little interaction with his wife. I mean, wife in real life um, has a funny little interaction with her before seeing his, you know, Jennifer Aniston with Luke Evans. Again, I get a. As, as I talk about this movie, I'm going to keep bringing up the things that seem to be setups that never pay off in any way, like. The notion, and sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes that's like, oh, they could have maybe done more. But like here, like Sandler finding Jennifer Aniston, his beautiful wife, with this, you know, sort of objectively very handsome man. And it's not really like a a jealousy thing. It's not really like a, oh, is this a romantic rival for my affections? Not only does that not happen, it doesn't seem to have occurred to anybody for that to be a, a, a thing. Like, and again, I'm yeah, okay. Well, he has that great line with Jackie um, playing the flight attendant, being like, "Oh, well, she's talking to that hot guy with the one chin. I gotta shut that shit down." Like, like it's it, it's it's not like a possessive, like you know, kind of like you know, ape gorilla husband. Like, ah, no one else can have her. It's more like, oh, well, she's talking to Luke Evans, and if I don't intervene, then she'll happily throw her life away for him and why wouldn't she it's luke Evans. like it's 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 very pleasantly self-effacingly matter of fact um yeah yeah it's you know it's at this point i think it's good to i I think it's a good point to mention this Uh, i thought it was really unique uh just in the filmography of sandler around this point that he is just a they're just a couple they're just married no kids yes um no kids in the relationship compared to I don't know the last movie. I mean, there's things like Ridiculous Six or The Do-Over where it's just there's no relationship necessarily. But I mean, I guess with grown-ups, you know, they're all, you know, kind of like comfortably married guys, although there is, you know, some, you know, relationship conflict and drama there. But one thing I really enjoy about uh, Murder Mystery, um, you know, with 
with like kind of the rom-com um, contrivances of just go with it, you know, uh, Sandler and Anison are, you know, circling each other the whole movie. And with, with this, it's just, it, it's, it's a very comfortable lived in marriage. Yeah, sure. They're a little bored. They're in a rut, but like their foundation is solid. They like each other. They're very clearly like they, they, they have fun with one another. Um, it's a nice dynamic to watch. And it's, and it's what I think keeps me pleasantly returning to this one often with regards to his Netflix output. Yeah, it's not like the movie where they're like separating and like this is the thing that's going to bring them together. They're right. like already together. They've already accepted each other's faults. Yeah. And they're just kind of together solving this. And that could be a product of like that 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 could very easily be a product of sort of like like lack of ambition or like laziness, but I also I I think yeah, like I think it's somewhat refreshing to have a couple that like, yeah, they, they kind of have a moment where they're like, they're questioning things. Like they have a little, they have a spat in the movie, but like a couple that genuinely seems to like each other. And that isn't like thrown into like utter, utter turmoil by this. Like, I don't know. It's sort of like how I wish we'd gotten a few more movies with like Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. Like, yeah after the first mummy where it's like, you see one of the nice things, about, I know they're, they're, it's night and day, but like a nice thing about the mummy returns. is like, Oh, I like seeing them. Like they like, they like each other still. And they're a married couple. And like, that's nice to see on film. Like, right. or like Nick and Nora from the, uh, the thin man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of those, of those thin man films. And um, this movie never explicitly calls out those those uh you know the Myrna Loy and William, William Powell films as references but it's definitely in that mode um the comfortably happily married couple solving mysteries um which is why if you know um they're able to make more of these I'm you know happily on board um yeah I'm happy with this being the comedic or the the differently comedic like Netflix and like if they want to make the way they people like they should make however many Benoit Blanc films for like Knives yeah. Out I'm like yeah no that's great I'll also take I can have Hercule Poirot I can have Sherlock Holmes I can have Benoit Blanc and I can have the Spitzes I can have I can get as many murder mysteries as I as as you want to shove at me um so basically uh in on the plane uh, we learned that Luke Evans is a guy who uh, he's, you know, Charles Cavendish, and he's kind of notorious lately because his uh, his fiance left him, or his his fiance, his his girlfriend, whatever, left him for his uncle, uh, something Qu Malcolm Quince, uh, and Malcolm Quince is uh, every every, you know, he's like one of the richest people in the world, and you know, he's obviously like an elderly man, and so it's like, oh, like you know, obviously she must have left me for my uncle's money. Um, and he's like, I'm planning, I'm going on like a family trip for their, I'm going on a family trip for their, like their nuptials or their engagement party or something. And, uh, I'm going to just crash the whole thing by being super wasted. I have a great idea. Why don't you random fun Americans I've just discovered? Why don't you tag along with me now? Spoiler warning for the rest of, I mean, it's always a spoiler warning. We're going to spoil the shit out of everything that happens. But, but here's here's another thing. You would think, you know, if you've watched a lot of or read a lot of murder mysteries, you're thinking, aha, this is a setup. This man, Charles Cavendish, is bringing these people in right. to set them up for some purpose. No, 
No, that's not what's going on at all. It is what it seems. You know, the, it's it's just a, the cigar is just a cigar. He literally just wants to invite his fun new American friends yeah. to hang out on the yacht. <laughs> he's like he's an affable, rich dude with with an axe to grind against his family, but he likes Jen and Adam just fine. Like it's <laughs> there's no. <laughs> There's no twist or turn there. It's just like, no, he's a good dude. Like, he's like, it's, it's fine. Um, and so they say, but Adam Sandler feels self-conscious. He doesn't want to, like, he wants to do, like, the, uh, what he planned rather than what this, like, handsome rich man, you know, wants them to do. He's just like, you know, I planned this bus tour. We're going to go learn how they, like, uh, age the ham when you have, like, aged ham deli sandwiches or whatever. Um, and... He kind of insists. He kind of insists on this point, and she's like, "Okay, fine." They get out the plane. They get out, at, you know, outside the airport. They get their luggage, and they see the bus that they're supposed to go on the tour. Um, and it's this huge, rickety-looking thing with a million-looking unwashed tourists piling onto it, including Sandler Squad members Sonny and Sadie Sandler and Alan Covert, producer. Uh, I miss him. Yeah, producer Alan Covert is their dad. He's the one who's like he he shows up at the very end too, where he's like, "All right, I'm gonna get a picture." Like he kind of you have to you have to like really squint, but it is Alan Covert. Yeah, the uh, I actually miss the daughters being in there. Like he because he he's he's looking a lot more like a dad these days, so he kind of looks a little different than I don't know the last time we saw him to be honest. Um, yeah, his his roles have gotten very. I mean, it's not a big deal, but his his roles have gotten very like blink and you miss them cameo appearances as opposed to like featured walk on or whatever. Um. So yeah. So they see this 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 bus looking thing, uh. And I mean it's a bus, but they see this bus and they're like, oh no. I mean even Adam Sandler's like, oh no, we should just go on the yacht. That sounds like a much better plan. And luckily Luke Evans is just sitting there and he's like, come on, come on with me. They go to this yacht. Uh, and they get on and they meet uh, Charles's former fiance, the one who's getting married to his uncle. Um, to, she's a Japanese woman. Um, there's a, there's a whole running gag about uh, how the the chef is named Maurice, and like the, of course they make the uh, pompous of love joke, uh, the the um, uh, space cowboy joke. Um, and because Adam Sandler has like the da- the daddest taste in classic rock music that you ever did, Dad. Um, <laughs> you get that at some point. Um, but the of course, because of course he does. Um, and uh, so, anyways, they're on the boat. We meet. So then we start. Here's where we start to meet. You know, the cast of characters, the sort of like the very Agatha Christie, like Death on the Nile or Murder on the Orient Express. Like, ah, here are going to be our suspects. So we meet uh, the, the uh, Malcolm's new fiance, Charles's ex, um, uh, this Japanese woman. I don't remember her name in the film. Let me look that up. Uh, Susie. She plays Susie Nakamura, and it's an actress named Shiori Katsuna. And uh, so we meet her. We meet Malcolm's son, who uh, Luke Evans sort of makes a homophobic joke about, like, oh, like he, you know, he's he's gay. Uh, which never really plays into anything in any way. Um, we meet a, uh, uh, he's a, um, he's like an African, like he's like a general, um, right? My, <laughs> Col- Colonel Yulanga. Um, yeah, the man who's got the, 
the chubs joke where they like his his hand or finger comes off right yes yeah um this is incidentally this actor um john connie canny caney uh apologies if i'm mispronouncing um he was the uh, he is uh, black panther's father in black panther um <laughs> Yeah, T'Chaka. Um, he's also in uh, Civil War because I guess that's the first. And he he's the voice of uh, Rafiki in the live action. The sorry, the remake of Lion King. Oh wow! Um, he does the voice. Um, and so, did he do the voice in the original? It does not look like it now. Um, but anyways, so that's him. He's and he has a bodyguard, uh, a large Icelandic man um, played by a large Icelandic actor. Um, whose name is Olafur Dari Olafsson. Uh, and he's been in a bunch of shows like Lady Dynamite, what have you. Um, we also meet Juan Carlos, who is a Formula One race car driver for um, Martin Malcolm Quince's team. Uh, and we get uh, Gemma Arterton, former Bond girl Gemma Arterton. Um, oh, as a famous actress, Grace Ballard, who Sandler has an outsized reaction to. He's like, oh, my God, I've seen all your movies. Like, <laughs> you're great. Like, oh, my God. He, he's like, he's really starstruck and tongue-tied. I, I just I just love this character beat for Sandler because up until this point, we see him as just this, you know, gruff, kind of sarcastic, you know, cop dude. And then he's totally moony for Grace Ballard. But it's not like, oh, look at this hottie. It's like he's really like a total dork as a movie fan like it's not you know it, it it's it's a nice side to his character seeing him nerd out for this for this lady just because he's so into her movies as opposed to like oh it's a hot actress it's it's yeah yeah um i've always really liked i mean obviously because i had i had, uh, the hots for her in quantum of solace I, i've always really <laughs> liked seeing Jim arterton in films um and she's good in this. She's got good timing. She's she's funny, and obviously she's beautiful. And it's like, yeah, she's. Uh, I I thought she did a good job here. Um, and then there's um, Adil Akhtar. That's the actor's name, um, British actor. He plays Maharaja, um, and he's just sort of like, he's like a gangster rap type attitude guy. This dude, this actor was in uh, Four Lions. Um, he's a. Uh, Let's see. Uh, yeah, he was in Four Lions. He was in uh, Victorian Abdul and The Big Sick. Oh, he played Smee in that Pan movie. Um, anyways, um, so yeah, so we've got uh, who? Who else is in the? Who else is one of the suspects? So I think that's all of them, right? Um, you've got. Yeah, you got. Yes, we've we we we've hit them all. Um, so, anyways, that night on the boat. Uh, we meet the man of the hour, Malcolm Quince himself. It's uh, Terrence Stamp, uh, the <laughs> Neil Before Zod, everybody. Um, and uh, Terrence Stamp is there, and he he gives a, a speech about how, you know, all he basically has been supporting all these people, you know, in the room uh, or on the boat in one way or another. And uh, now that he is marrying uh, Susie. Uh, he's decided that all these other people are leeches and he's, uh, as of this moment, cutting them all off, uh, from any of his money. And he's going to give everything in his will, uh, over to his wife. And what do you know? He's got, uh, his will, his brand new will that he has not signed yet. Uh, almost as though he wanted to be in a, the subject of a murder mystery. Um, he has the will on the table. 
and he's going to go sign it right in front of everybody just to humiliate them. Um, and of course, what should happen when he goes to sign it? Uh oh, lights go out. Uh, when lights come back, there's a gunshot. Lights come back on. He has a ceremonial Chinese dagger uh, given to the family by Marco Polo. Uh, he has a ceremonial Chinese dagger lodged in his heart. Um, the colonel, uh, the African colonel, has uh, fired a shot, but it, that's not what killed the guy. It was the knife. Um, everyone freaks out. Everyone panics. Everyone's like, oh, my God, what do we do? What do we do? They notice that he has not signed the will yet, um, which is a crucial point. There's a funny bit of business where they're like, should I take the knife out? And he takes the knife out and plunges it back in when Adam Sandler is like, no, you should leave that there. That's evidence. Um, Sandler sort of starts to take control a little bit of the situation because he's a cop and he has told his wife that he's a detective now. Um, and so he's like, all right, all right. So like, first of all, we got to establish a crime scene. Like, you know, let's get everybody. Oh, let's not contaminate evidence. Uh, you know, I'm going to take all this shrimp back to my room because I'm, I'm really, really starving. Um, and the whole, uh, the whole plan is that they're going to uh, meet with the authorities when they land in Monaco, uh, which is where they're headed um, on the ship. And uh, there's a, there's a scene in bed where uh, <laughs> there's a scene in bed I really like uh, I liked with the two Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston in bed, and she can't go to sleep because she's like racking her brain about who did it. Um, and Sandler is like, no, I know who did it. It clearly had to be Malcolm's son because. Like he, you know, like was mad about being disinherited or whatever. And he's like, he had the motive and the means not, you know, whatever. And Jennifer Aniston is saying, no, that that's too obvious. That can't be it. And uh, Sandler has a great bit where he's just like, haven't you ever wanted to make it on a boat? I could just sit here and let the, and let the waves do all the work. Um, <laughs> and she just like, doesn't even respond to this. She just like keeps moving on. And it's like, I, okay, I, I, I liked that. That made me laugh. Um, also, he's wearing Under Armour gym shorts, like big <laughs> flowing Under Armour gym shorts. And I was like, man, fucking, fucking squat, like fucking goals, man. Like, I just want to like, I just want to dress like Adam Sandler does like in his day to day life, just like oversized, like basketball shorts and man, living the dream. <laughs> so that's another product placement is uh, Under Armour. Um, also, he mentions here e either either in this scene or the ne or one of the next few scenes, because I had it written down here. Um, he mentions we've brought up on the podcast before how he the, the name Lamonsoff keeps popping up in Adam Sandler movies. And he says like his character's name is Lamonsoff in the grown-ups films, I believe, Lenny Lamonsoff. And he right. but like and like there they'll just be it's sort of like it's sort of like all the women being named V, like V names, like it, it, it like at the start, where it's like it's a weird, it's a weird thing that must have something to do with I mean, even though James Vanderbilt wrote the screenplay, it's like there's a fucking Lamonsoft reference in the movie. It's like, that's gotta be Sandler had to, you know, had to have like, you know, done a touch up on it. Um, that's did neither we, here nor there. I just thought it was notable. <laughs> did, this isn't the first time we've talked about that though, though. Did we, am I getting this mixed up with something else? Like, wasn't the name like a nod to like a random collaborator or friend? Maybe I'm getting my wires crossed here. I should look into this before I start talking. Sorry. <laughs> oh wow! No, I swear. Reddit, you type it in. Uh, okay, let, there's a there's a Reddit thread. Today I land the name Eric. The name Eric Lamonsoff is used in at least four Adam Sandler movies. This is 2015. The Wedding Singer, Click, You Don't Mess with the Zohan, Jack and Jill, and Grown Ups. Lamonsoff was a longtime friend and former college roommate of Sandler. So there you go. So there it is. So 
We should have known that, but now that we have refreshed our memories, <laughs> way to go, man. Shouting out your buddy. Yeah, add that to the what a guy pile. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, we oh, and their sleep, their or their 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 you know restful slumber is interrupted uh, by a gunshot on board. They run to uh, they run over to the next room where they see that uh, Malcolm's son, the prime suspect, has uh, shot himself in the head. He's dead, or so they think. Um, they get off the boat, or you know, they they land at Monaco, and uh, this inspector, this inspector Delacroix, uh, this uh, chain smoking, I guess French, uh, French detective, uh, is there. The Hercule Poirot of our story uh, is there, and he is more or less convinced that uh, <laughs> he's he he interviews everybody, and he's more or less convinced that it has to be the Americans because they are. Uh, you know they're they're such such outliers, which I I don't know why he focuses so hard on them because they don't have motive other than like he says like oh like money problems, but it would just be like a wouldn't you just say like why don't you ask Charles Cavendish like how is it that we could have how could we have tricked him into inviting us onto his boat like <laughs> like you'll ask him and he'll tell you he just he just invited us for the moment we weren't like angling for that anyways. He he takes their passports and says like you can't leave the country, uh, you can't leave the country because you're sus you murder suspects. Uh, so they go to the Formula One race. I mean like that's like literally the next scene. They just go to the Formula One race where uh, the guy Juan Carlos is driving for the Quince team. Uh, I don't know. There's tag Hewer product placement here. What happens in this scene? Anyone remember? <laughs> they watch a race. Uh, they watch a race, and uh, I, I noticed that uh, one. I noticed that someone was drinking a Peroni. Uh, oh, and they talk about French inheritance law. That, that gets brought up, which which does come back. Um, the African uh, colonel brings up the fact that uh, under French inheritance law, uh, you can't just under French inheritance law. The, all the if you die, your money is split evenly amongst your children, so that French fathers, at least in the, the way the movie puts it, French fathers can't just do what Malcolm wanted to do and give away all their money to the mistress at the last minute, you know. Uh -huh. um, so that's the thing that that gets brought up. Um, and then uh, late, so like later that night, they're in there. Oh, and and you know, talking to like I know there's like there's some. They talk to Jim Arden. I don't remember what they what they talk about. Um, but oh yeah, no, they're they're kind of just trying to suss out. I remember now. They're trying to suss out like who did it basically, and so they're kind of like talk. They talk to um, the Maharaja, and they're just like, "Yo, like what? You know, like they think you did it." And he's like, "What? No, it's clearly so and so. No, it clearly had to be." They're all sort of like pointing the fingers at everyone else. Later that night in their hotel room, Sandler and uh, Aniston are still debating who it might be. Uh, when uh, the uh, the Icelandic guy shows up at their door and is like, we need, you know, he, or, he's, or he slips them a note and he's like, you know, we need to talk. Uh, he comes in and he tells the story about how the the um, the colonel previously, you know, the love of his life was stolen by Malcolm Quince and they had a baby together, but the baby died and she died in childbirth. Uh, and it was a very sad story, and it seems to imply that this colonel might have wanted Malcolm dead. 
Someone knocks on the door. Sandler and Aniston hide. Uh, the Icelandic bodyguard is shot and killed. So they flee out the window, and uh, they notice uh, the the colonel flossing his teeth uh, very aggressively. This is a plot point later in the movie that he flosses his <laughs> teeth aggressively. Um, yeah, one of two characters who floss their teeth aggressively in the movie, Jennifer Aniston being the other. Um, and they make it into they, – they climb into the Maharaja's room, and then the Maharaja comes in with Jim Arterton. And uh, while Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston are under the bed hiding, uh, they have very, very, very quick sex, um, extremely quick, um, <laughs> comedically quick. Um, there's a funny product placement bit where uh, Jennifer Aniston is, like, wondering if someone came into their room, and she's like, I bet you whoever it was stole my peanut M&Ms. And Adam Sandler's like, I stole your peanut M&Ms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just another bit that I liked. Um, and so, yeah, so the, the uh, after this, there are more reports, like basically Sandler and Aniston are like being more like, they're being named in the press as the perpetrators of these crimes. Um, they uh, go to a bar and uh, there's actually a really nice shot in this bar scene where it's like the huge mirror taking up one of the walls where it's like Sandler and Aniston are like one third of the frame in the left corner. And the rest of it is the rest of the frame is taken up by this gigantic wall. that shows you the rest of the bar. And it's actually kind of like a, I don't know if the cinematographer was just having fun that day, but it's a very well-framed artistically framed shot. Um, I don't know. You just don't always see those in these, in these Sandler flicks. Uh, it looks like a screenshot from something along the lines of like, a, I'm going to say Romare because that's just the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, sure. But maybe, maybe I'm thinking maybe more of like that that uh, that fast under eight days don't make a eight hours don't make a day or whatever. Right. Like yeah, the yeah. Of I can see that. Um, I'm looking at it now, and yeah, they uh, they clearly took some time on that one that maybe they did not. Right. <laughs> it was just like, okay, well, we're here. Like, what do we want? Do we want to think about this for a second? It's like, hey, why not? We have it for the others. Like. Um, so, but yeah, so they um, they learn via the, the news that not only are they wanted in connection with these murders, but also um, part of the suspicion is that Sandler has, like, lied, you know, Jennifer Aniston learns that uh, Sandler has lied about his detective exam, that he's not actually a detective, and so they briefly go their separate ways. Um, they, you know, they sort of split up for a moment. Um, and... Don't really. I just remember them coming back together in the library. I don't remember exactly what there. There's some. There's some business with uh, Japanese uh, Japanese Claritin, you know, showing that like oh, like Susie, the 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 Japanese mistress must be here. Um, regardless, they go Sandler and Aniston. If I'm missing anything crucial, please, just feel free to interrupt me. But uh, Sandler and Aniston team, you know. Meet, after they gather some evidence or some clues, they meet back up in this library um, where they are attacked by an assailant, um, uh, a gun-toting assailant, and there's you know the immortal line of like, oh, this reminds me. Aniston's like, this reminds me of that book, Death in the Library. And Aniston's like, what happened to him? And she's like, they died. That's why it was called Death in the Library. Um, it's a corny joke. I laughed. That's this whole movie. Um, <laughs> and this whole the, the whole library sequence too. Reminds me of something like of 
the mummy movies it has that type of playful i mean also now that now, now that i say that there's there's a similar the, the, the bookcases yeah yes with the bookcases in the first movie with rachel but that but that kind of dynamic of them you know kind of bumbling their way through through uh through uh you know possibly fatal encounters <laughs> yeah that's so so they so after that they um they end up like in this sort of like chase through the streets where somebody is um, they, they hook, they find Juan Carlos again. Again, my notes, my notes sort of break down at a certain point, but this isn't a very plot heavy movie. Um, they, they, they encounter Juan Carlos who, again, he's the formula one driver and Juan Carlos, his whole deal is that he can't speak like a word of English. Um, and so he's sort of just constantly like bullshitting his way through these conversations. And so they get Juan Carlos to come along with them as they're like chasing down Susie Nakamura because they think she might be the one after Jennifer Anderson. Oh, they think, yes. So at this point in the movie, their operating thesis is that Charles Cavendish and Susie like arranged all this, you know, still as lovers, but like having her pretend to like leave him for his own goal. And do all the stuff so that they could kill him and make off with all the money, um, and uh, but that is disproven when when they encounter Susie in this dark alley in Lake Como. Um, she uh, she is shot in the throat with a blow dart uh, mm. by a an assailant wearing what looks like one of those eyes wide shut uh, mask and robe combinations. <laughs> Um, instantly there's a, there's another really good product placement watch bit in, in this moment when, uh, she says the thing about, uh, she says the thing, uh, Susie says to Jennifer Anson about like, you still have a sticker on your shoes from Marshall's. Um, and, and Adam Sanders goes, they have name brands now. <laughs> it's like, he's just weirdly indignant about it, which makes me laugh. Um, they also mentioned Target explicitly. It's like, oh, were those the one? Was that Marshalls or Target? Um, anyways, they give chase for the to to the assassin, um, and uh, at one point, Sandler throws something at the mask, and it like hits the assailant in the face. You clearly leave a mark, um, but the assailant unfortunately gets away, and so. Uh, but Sandler and uh, Sandler and Anderson are pretty convinced that they know who did it, and so they're like, "We're." They call the detective, and they're like, "We're gonna go to uh, Malcolm's estate, and we'll be telling you and everyone else there like what we've discovered." They go to the estate. They discover that Charles Cavendish, Luke Evans, is dead uh, by poisoning, um, and they uh, it, kind of a ghoulish twist. Uh, Adam Sandler puts on. His, takes his tux, takes the tux off of the corpse and puts it on himself. We don't see it. It's just, they just say it. <laughs> That's a weird detail. Cause like that man's dead. Um, but um, anyways, they, you know, they have the big moment where it's like, all right, now we're going to reveal to you everything that happened. To be honest, I think if I had a, a, a legitimate, not like a, oh, I'm being a stick in the mud complaint. If I had like one legitimate complaint about murder mystery mm-hmm. that detract, that like, I think, if this had been even just like slightly better, it would have like propelled it into like another like another realm. Is the fact that the mystery itself is not all that engaging. It's kind yeah. of just like you're you're enjoying watching them go through these motions, but the motions themselves are not exactly interesting. 
And you contrast that with something like Knives Out, which does, for, mo- for me at least, and for people who like that movie, like it is a genuinely like, okay, what the hell's going on? Like I need to figure, it's not just I like these people, but I want to figure out who did this and why and what the hell. Yeah. Knives Out engages you on like an aesthetic vibe level, but also kind of hooks you in with the interpersonal relationships. For me, Murder Mystery, I have honestly never paid close attention to the actual mechanics of the plot. I'm just, I'm, I'm watching them push over bookshelves. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I watched it out a few hours ago and I'm still just like, wait, what was it? Like, okay. It gets a little convoluted there where they're just kind of like, wasn't this, it was this person and this person, but it couldn't have been that person. And it might've been this person. And like this whole, just like trying to trace yes. it. Yes. And then, so, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, they sort of hold forth about how, and it will, well, something that's funny in that moment is it is sort of like, I do like, I do like how they sort of walk through what they know. They like sort of like piece together everything they know up to that point, And they realize it doesn't lead them anywhere. And Adam <laughs> Sandler's just like, holy shit, did we do it? <laughs> like, like that's kind of a funny moment where you're just like, I don't understand. Like, what is this? Um, but it turns out that, uh, it all circles back around to the fact that uh, of that that child who was who who died, uh, you know, in the the child who supposedly died. Um, Sandler called his buddy back in the NYPD, and he couldn't find any death certificate of the child being dead. And uh, they're like, "Wait, well, maybe it was a maybe it was a, a daughter instead of a son. Like, oh, like someone who like changed their name." And it's like, "Wait a minute! Like we mentioned earlier that." Jim Arden's character, Grace Ballard, she changed her name. And then it's like, Jim Arden's like, yes. And somehow this ties into French inheritance law, somehow. <laughs> For, uh, Jim Arden's like, yes, it's true that I am his daughter and that blah, blah. And I was mad that he, but no, I didn't kill anybody. And then they're like, and then Jennifer Aniston's like, wait a minute, you're a, uh, like, I'm a hairdresser. And like, after that new hairdo, you wouldn't be wearing a hat. And they take the hat off, and sure enough, she's got an injury to her forehead, proving that she was the one who shot the blow dart. Um, and so, uh, brief scuffle where Sandler has to wing her in the arm with a with a with a gun or with a, with a bullet. Um, seems like everything's subdued, and the and this groovy mystery is wrapped up. But wait, there's more. <laughs> it turns out Juan Carlos, because as because what happens is Maharaja is like, well, we were actually like like. We, uh, Jim Arden and I were at the bar for like two hours before we came up. So like, she couldn't have been the one who shot the Icelandic bodyguard. Uh, and they're like, you know, wait, what? And then it turns out, oh, it was Juan Carlos, the Formula One driver. Um, he can speak perfect English as it turns Whoa. out. I know it's crazy. It's so fucking wild. And, uh, he, and he, uh, he takes off, he, he kidnaps the detective and takes off and Sandler and Aniston run to this. It's it's a Ferrari, right? I, I, I okay, yeah. They run to this beautiful yeah. red Ferrari, and as another one of my favorite bits, where uh, Sandler they run in. Sandler's like, I've always wanted to drive one of these. Oh my god! And they get in the car, and they've both forgotten in the moment which side the driver's seat is on. And Sandler, but instead of being like, No, I need to drive. Sandler's just like, All right, like. And so Jennifer Aniston gets to be the one driving the car uh, in this big weirdly well shot chase scene like not 
it's not as half-assed or like afterthoughty as you might imagine like because a purchase in this kind of movie being. The movie's kind of all over the place because there are striking sequences or shot compositions that give you pause. You're like, oh, oh, hello. And, but in general, for the most part, the movie is, you know, content to kind of have that sort of bland Netflixy sheen to it. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a mix there. It's interesting. Yeah. One of the only car chases I can think of in the Sandler movie outside of like the do over. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not generally his speed. Yeah. <laughs> there's also the, um, there's also like, speaking of like how it's kind of all over the place, like there's a lot of just like very basic, like fr framing and blocking, but then there'll be a moment like that, that scene where that scene where Aniston and, uh, Sandler are in where he's talking about having sex on a boat and letting the boat do all the work. Um, it's like shot through with like neon coming through the blinds of their window where it seems like right outside a Nicholas Winding Refn movie is happening. And I'm just like, why did you go to the trouble for this scene and no other? You're just like, I don't get it. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. But anyways, this surprisingly good car chase sequence happens. Um, and, uh, but at the end, you know, the, the Juan Carlos, you know, his car like spins out and gets like trapped by a statue, whatever. Um, and uh, hooray, Sandler and, and Anderson, they saved the day. And it's amazing. Um, and uh, what? And Juan Carlos gets out and he's like threatening people with a gun. And he's just like, yeah, I hate you. And what should happen to him? Well, Deus Ex bus, because the bus that the Sandler, the bus that the, uh, the the characters were supposed to be on the whole time, uh, in maybe the best screenwriting of the entire movie, uh, <laughs> runs over Juan Carlos, killing him? I, I, I'm not sure. Um, but um, I do think it's funny that, much like Raiders of the Lost Ark, if the characters had... It's, it's, well, no, that's not true, because they're the ones who drove Juan Carlos out to that point. Because I was going to say, with the bus and everything, it's like, well, maybe it's like the Raiders of the Lost Ark thing, where like, Oh, if the characters had done nothing at all, the result would have been the same. <laughs> like, oh no, like if we just stayed on the bus, we would have hit that guy eventually, but that's not true. I'm I'm mistaken. <laughs> um and yeah, and I mean, I don't know. That's 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 murder mystery. Like there's one there's one sort of wrap-up scene after that where it's like they're you're heading home, but like, yeah, no, with, oh no, no, sorry. My bad. They get on the Orient Express. It's a very funny, winky little like tip of the hat to the genre where it's like, oh, don't worry, you'll have a much more relaxed second half of your vacation, and the camera pulls out and, oh, they're on the Orient Express. Yeah. Yeah, a... yeah. you're either on board for that type of, you know, kind of cute winks, or you're not. Um, I don't know. I, uh, it, again, with the unintentional backhanded praise, I can't get enthusiastic about this movie. It's not that type of movie, but it is so firmly good at what it's doing and what it's doing is offering three star pleasures. And, you know, there's something to be said for kind of like that, uh, um, modestly ambitious, like adult action comedy, you know, um, uh, the, the earlier point about it being kind of like that TNT, you know, Saturday afternoon staple, I think is a good one. And, um, I, think that might be why I find this movie so charming because it is uh, 
it, it, you know, it has plenty of like location porn and all that, but it's relatively just like content just to like, no, you like these people, they're in a situation, they're in a pretty place. It kind of takes care of itself. You know, mm-hmm. I dig that. Also, I, I'm now I'm now realizing that um, I, I've mentioned I mentioned the cinematographer once or twice, and even talked about the the um, the, the the car chase. And of course, I'm, I'm dummy because it was this film was shot by Amir Mokri, who shot Bad Boys Two. Oh wow! <laughs> and he shot uh, Transformers Four, which I was lucky enough to work a week on. Um, he shot. Um, let's he, see. He shot. Uh, duh, duh, duh. He shot Man of Steel for Zack Snyder. Did um, he work? Did he work on um, the Michael Bay Netflix thing? Um, no, okay. no, he, he didn't. Um, he, but let just see. He's got like his notable ones. I mean, he's done a lot of like big things. He did Blue Steel for Captain Bigelow back in the day. Oh, he right did on. Lord of War. Uh, he did. Uh, let's see. Uh, Trick. Transformers 3 and 4 for Michael Bay. He did Pixels, so this is his second Sandler movie. Um, And yeah, he did did the Superfly remake, which I know we're getting very far afield here, but the Superfly remake is a very aesthetically and extremely interesting movie and is like Mm -hmm. worth watching if you're at all curious. Um, No one talks about that movie, but it's very kind of cool. Okay. I just realized I haven't given one thought one not, not not a stray thought uh, to Pixel since we since since we watched it for this nope. podcast. Uh, I mean, I think about Cubert turning into a sexy lady all the time. <laughs> Speaking of like TNT movies, that is a FX movie on all the time. Yeah, it's on like once a week. I swear. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. So yeah. So Amir Mokri, he he does great. He does great great work on it. Um. Yeah, man, he's just—I mean, I don't know if he's—I don't know if anyone's working on anything these days, but he doesn't have anything coming up. Um, so yeah, so that's murder mystery. Um, it's pretty fun. It's—I mean, I mean—I mean, I don't mean to sell it short at all. It's very—it's very enjoyable. It's very much like, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's just what you need. Like, we're not. This isn't for me, at least. I won't speak for everybody, but obviously for me, this is not a. Uh, something like the week of, or even something like the ridiculous six where I feel like, no, I need to like stand up and like go to bat for this. Like, it's not just, Oh, this is better than its reputation. I need to let people know it's actually good. This is a movie where I'm like, I would look, I would give a strong side eye to anyone who was like, who was like really kicking it in the balls. Like anyone who was like, really really down on it i'd be like yeah this seems a little try hard to me for a movie this amiable yeah Uh, for sure but yeah i don't feel like going to the going to the mattresses for it yeah it seems like a what i would hope to be maybe and also like a solid like late era sandler gateway movie for folks um i recently um had coffee with someone and and um and was telling her about the podcast and you know She's like, oh, I like men. Are, like, I like murder mystery. Like, this is probably not a person who would, you know, probably give time to a ridiculous six. But murder mystery is fun. Like, you know, it's it's the it's the Aniston dynamic. It's the it's the fun lo- like you know location adventure of it all. Um, I you know I feel like 
like true crime is a different kind of beast, but like true crime and murder mysteries, like you know, like like you have the big success of Knives Out as well as the uh, Kenneth Branagh Murder on the Orient Express. Like this type of movie, I think, is having a bit of a moment. Um, I mean, this has always been a popular genre, um, but yeah. it's but it's you know we can think of recent examples where these movies are doing very well and are being well received. Um, so yeah. Um, uh, you know, um, I think uh, uh, this might be a good, you know, Sandler, like Sandler vehicle for folks who these days aren't inclined to give them much thought, probably. But yeah. It's a very accessible movie, which is, you know, which is what I enjoy about it. Yeah, it's in certain ways, it feels like the kind of almost the platonic idea of one of these Sandler Netflix movies. Like, yeah. It is just like it's not it, it's not going it's not spiking the EKG too much. It's just sort of like this is like nope like it's just sort of right down the middle. Um, it's not you know it's not going to rock it not going to rock the boat too much. Mixing all my metaphors. What about you, Austin? I'm kind of in the same boat on this as y'all. Where it's like it's totally fine. Uh, I I also would not go to bat. I think it's it's not particularly funny to me. It's it's got some jokes, but it's not like <laughs> as funny as say uh, I think I, I think I prefer like a Hubie Halloween or if I'm comparing the Netflix movies like a Hubie Halloween or a, a sure. Ridiculous Six. Yeah, and and Hubie well, what's true of both of those movies um, is how uh, kind of in depth the the world building is um, for 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 both of those. Murder Mystery is, I mean, you know. It, in a lot of ways, and uh, it's an amiably lazy movie. Um, you're right; it's not really um, a gut buster. My some of my favorite moments, though, are just these sort of quick little asides between Sandler and Anison um, when they're, they're commenting on the action as, as it's happening. There's a bit when they're first like on the boat, and you know the old rich guy is you know kind of telling off the whole family and there's that bit where sandler leans over he's like okay wow this is awesome yeah i told you yeah good job yeah thank you like like it, it, it's a uh, that lived in uh relationship uh moments they have of just you know kind of quick little banter that i feel like makes the movie what it is for me mm -hmm. well you know it's something that occurs to me uh, maybe and i don't want to like get too like yeah, I don't know, galaxy brained with it or whatever. But something that occurs to me is that, like, if this were, I do think. So, if this were a movie that had come out in theaters, if this exact movie had come out in theaters, I still, I still probably would have said, like, hey, you know, like, it, it, it's totally, like, I totally enjoyed it. It's nothing to write home about, but it's totally fine. But like, you know, even you know, you, you know, notwithstanding what's going on right now, which who knows, but like. You know, the past de any time in the past decade, excepting the COVID years, if a movie like this had come out, I could see people being like, "Like this is not like high. This is not enough of an effort to be a theatrically like the sort of thing that like gets put out in theaters when there's only a certain amount of product that gets put out in theaters every year." Uh -huh. But I do think with something like when there, when we're all, we all have so many days. I think it's. I guess what I'm trying to say is that, like, I think there's something that, like, there are certain streaming things that benefit a little. And I don't want this to be the norm necessarily. I obviously want great work. You know, I want people to stretch themselves. But in a world where, like, there's so much 
accessible con content. I hate that word, but I'm going to use it right now. There's so much accessible entertainment, films, TV shows, what have you, that something like this, when it's on Netflix, it is a little bit just like if I, yeah, if I'd gone to the theater and paid, it might not have been enough just to hang out with some people I find uh, amiable and and pass like a breezy couple of hours. Right. Um, but watching it on Netflix, it's like, oh, like I can still like if I want the like, you know, unlike in a movie theater where murder mystery, you know, might be the only thing I could go see or like one of the only options. It's like, oh, if like if it's on Netflix and I have the option of like, like what am I really feeling like right now? Do I want to challenge myself? Do I want to like, mm-hmm. you know, ex- explore new horizons or do I, do I just want to like kind of like really relax and like turn my brain off and and whatever? And I'm not saying this exactly as well as I'd like to, but I, I do think there's a, I, I'm, it's not dis, it's not me dissing the movie to say that, to talk about the sort of low, the low impact nature of it. And I think that it's kind of perfectly suited to streaming in a way that might, and here's the macro point, might indicate something about Sandler's suitability for this Netflix model. Like sure. In a broader way. And I mean, like my, kind of like overwhelming thought when murder mystery first premiered on netflix and watching it was like oh this is a netflix movie this yes. is what like like this is what this is like having now caught up with the rest of them you know i can watch something like say the week of and i kind of wish it had a theatrical release because people would probably give it more of would would have engaged with it more um whereas murder mystery feels with like like deliberately designed for this for this medium in both aesthetics and just general kind of tone like it um you know like uh, like again i i kind of keep going for like the like oh it's a it's a it's a folding your laundry movie and that sounds sort of you know sort of like a backhanded compliment but I don't mean it to be because it feels like that's exactly what they were going for with this. Like they kind of nailed that specific cocktail of what a yeah. Netflix movie can be um, and, and should be. Um, like the wrong Missy, I think was another good example of that too. Um, yeah. Like, Oh yeah. Like, like, yeah, no, like this doesn't quite feel like something you need to pay $15 for, for the theater, but this is hitting a very specific, hard to articulate spot when you're, you know, you know, scrolling and clicking on it in, in your in, in, in your living room. Right. I know. It's difficult to quantify. Um, it's you know, like what, what what was that infamous line about porn? Like, I, like I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. That's yeah. how <laughs> the similar thing for you know, like a solid Netflix comedy. <laughs> um. So yeah, so that's man, that's murder mystery, and and that brings us. That's the last we have we have done over an hour and usually closer to two hours on every single movie that Adam Sandler has starred in. Um, so we'll hold for applause for just two seconds. <laughs> OK, we're back. Thank you for applauding. Um, we and, did it. And yes, we did it. We made it. Um, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting one to to fit to conclude on um, in certain ways. I think it's very appropriate um yeah i mean i guess there there are certain things we didn't talk about like 
like what we like, you know, the fact that the writer of Zodiac wrote this movie, but who cares? It's an Adam Sandler movie. It's not, you know, it's not a, it's not a movie from the writer of Zodiac. Let's just say that. Um, <laughs> Charlie Theron was originally going to be it, be in it, but that has no bearing on anything because it's not a, it's not a movie that almost starred Charlie Theron. It's a movie that does star Adam Sandler, and that's the <laughs> operating factor, um, operating fact. But, um, so we are finished. We are finished with the mainline filmography of our friend, our dear, dear muse, Adam Sandler. But that is not the end for the, Gilly, for the Billy Gilmore podcast, the Gilly Hillmore show. Um, <laughs> um, great Gilly Hopkins. Um, the, the, the Billy Gilmore show is will continue on triumphantly. You can't keep us down. Fucking God himself couldn't keep us down with a global pandemic. And we're certainly not going to let the end of Adam Sandler's filmography keep us down. No, 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 sir. We are going to continue. Um, and so uh, we really we it, so I, I do want to say before before talking a little bit about where we're going to go, um, I do want to say to anyone who's listening to this episode, anyone who's listened to any other episode, this, you know, we should say this more often uh, and, it, you know, just can't be emphasized enough. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we're so grateful. We're so grateful to have anyone, anyone caring about what we blather on about with this stuff. It's, it's been a great joy for me to do this podcast for the past two and a half years, Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. And, um, you know, and the fact that anybody, you know, it, you know, if it's two people listening to an episode, I think that's fucking rad. If, you know, and whoever, you know, anyone else listening, like I, I just love, I love this thing. I love Adam Sandler. I love this format. Um, I'm excited to keep going with it. But now that we have reached this this point, um, just thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. You know, between the you know the obvious uh, you know stress and turmoil of the pandemic, but also just some personal life stuff too. You know, it's been something of a tumultuous two and a half years, and this thing was like a rock, and 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 was more of a rock than I even realized it would be going into it. It's like, Oh yeah, sure. I'll talk, I'll talk Sandler with Wilson and Austin. That sounds fun. This became, you know, just a, a, just a lovely, fun, silly, but also in its own, you know, small way, meaningful thing that I got to do with you guys. Um, and it means a lot. Thank you to you, uh, Wilson and Austin. Thank you for our friends who are listening to us. And I'm stoked to, keep this thing going because there's always still so much more to talk about because Sandler has lots of friends. That's right. Oh man. Um, yeah, God, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, just the, and it's been, you know, it's also, it's just been so crazy to think about like when we start, we, you know, in a little bit, in, in some ways it's redundant to, to talk about this because we've been doing the podcast regularly and we, we bring these things up all the time, but it is crazy to sort of, think back to when we started this in, in March of 2019 to now and what has happened, not just, just for Adam Sandler. It's like, obviously that was like, we, we were like gearing up for, uh, we knew Uncut Gems was coming later that year. And so obviously we're talking about that, but like, that was such a side and we couldn't have known at the beginning, you know, this was a podcast that had been in various stages of, uh, of discussions and, and pre-production for like a year or two before we started and so the fact that we sort of hit when we did um, was very fortuitous. Um, and it's been really, that's been really cool. And I also, 
I want to um, I want to shout out here at the end. Uh, I want to shout out our guests, our guest hosts that have joined us. Um, we've had some really tremendous guest hosts um, uh, for these episodes that have been super duper awesome. Um, we of course have, and 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 I'll, I'll list the ones. And if I'm forgetting any, please chime in. Um, we got obviously Brian Connolly. Um, single his single him out just because the podcast wouldn't exist without him. Brian, oh, yeah. he's been on been on several of our episodes. Uh, you know, great great human being. Um, the the greatest the world's the greatest Adam Sandler scholar that the world will ever know. Um, <laughs> that guy should write the fucking book on the man. Um, it's it's you know he's he's great. Um, check out his podcasts and, and all his work. Um, we had people like Jake Isgar. Uh, we had uh, Matt Taylor. We had uh, Holly Herrick on our Uncut Gems episode. We had Danny Benson uh, for our Mr. Deeds, I believe. Because um, that was Dave yes, he was here for Mr. Deeds. Um, um, our friend Randy Adams was here with us for uh, Funny 50, People and, and 50, Grown Ups. What was oh, she? Yes. And, oh, oh yes, uh, 50, 50 First Dates, Grown Ups, and I think Funny People. Yes, she was. She was there with us for Funny People because that was the last yeah. one we we recorded together. That's um, right. Oh gosh, you're right. Wow. That's the one where I make a joke about being in in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And two weeks later, we all were. Um, so we also had Rocky Juarez on our uh, on our little Nikki episode. Oh yeah. Um, we had Jamie Lauren Keelis join us for an interview. Um, the author they did the great piece on Adam Sandler in the aftermath of Uncut Gems. That's right, that, uh, um, and that is a tremendous article. Please, please read it if you have. Absolutely, not. that's a huge. That was a huge get for us, like having them on. So that was great. Um, we had uh, Brian Cobbs. Brian Cobbs on our uh, on our. Uh, why am I blanking on the name? Just now, uh, the week of episode, right? He's on the week of. He, he, uh, was he the week of or who? What did he? Yes, the week of. The week yeah. of. Yeah. Um, uh, huh? Game Boys. Uh, the uh, Lux and. Um, oh, they were they were there. Yeah, but we had Lux and Griffin. We had Lux and Griffin on our Pixels episode. Yeah. Um, and of course, on our on our uh, Jack and Jill episode, we had the. Uh, they weren't get well. We had Caroline, my my twin sister, Caroline Smith. Um, which was fantastic. Um, and we also had uh, the wonderful contributions of my twin friends, um, Mark and Paul Vance and Dana and Robbie Hayes. So uh, shout out to them for joining that. We, we, we did something a little different for that one. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then, yeah, the Grown Ups 2 episode, we had several people on, but they were we, we've, we've mentioned all them, uh, Brian and Jake and Danny. Um, I, I will say, like, recording that was one of the legit highlights of, like, early days of lockdown, <laughs> the Grown Ups episode. <laughs> yeah, I think and I think it still could be my personal favorite episode of the show. Like, yeah. it's I, yeah. that one was one that one was one that we always knew we wanted to do something special for. And obviously the pandemic threw a monkey wrench into what I think we would have done. But I think what we ended up making of it was something very special um, sure. and befitting a very special movie. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, and so that's you know that was that was obviously tremendous. You know, thanks to um, Austin Public for letting us record the first run of our episodes. That was uh, you know tr shout out to them. That was that was tremendous. That was um, a really nice space to work in, and everyone who works there was super friendly and helpful. That was yeah. um, a real cool spot. It definitely upped our it definitely upped our game um, and set us up for success when we had to go when we had to go 
remote. <laughs> um, you know, we sort of had a we 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 had polished our skills in a in a studio. We'd cut our teeth, um, and that was that was invaluable. Um, so that was great. Um, yeah, I, I guess I think that's it for acknowledgments and thanks. Um, so I guess we can talk about what we're going to do next, um, which is we we want to. So we we um, you know befitting all of us having suddenly much busier schedules. Um, we want to have a really solid schedule that we can like st- lay out for everyone and stick to. Um, and we'll be building that in the coming weeks. Um, the intention, um, the, the, the focus of the show going forward, I can, we can say tentatively, not, not, not even tentatively, just like in a sort of uh, unofficial way, we are going to be covering the, uh, expanded cinematic universe of the Happy Madison crew of the Sandler squad. And so we are going to be covering, the idea is that all these people who have shown up in these Adam Sandler films, you know, these people who have made films either under the banner of Happy Madison or things that feel very in tune with, the Happy Madison, maybe they happened before Happy Madison was a thing or what have you, you know, for an example, that would be something like Tommy Boy or Black Sheep, because like we definitely want to talk about Chris Farley and David Spade separately and together. And obviously that's Tommy Boy's not a Happy Madison movie. Pretty sure it would have been yeah. if it were made 10 years later. Or say something like Norm Macdonald's Dirty Work, which featured a brief, delightful cameo from Sandler as Satan. Um, you know, this 85-minute movie, certainly SNL-adjacent, uh, has, you know, several squad members in it. That would have been very likely a happy mass in production were it made even five years later. So we're... so. Like I said, we're we're still we're still working out the the finer points of uh, that schedule and figuring out you know who we want to tackle first, what order we want to tackle things in, what makes the most sense. We we do want to have this be you know a little bit a little bit organized and neat you know to the extent that we can you know with a podcast that talks about dirty work. Um, <laughs> but um, I can say uh, those details and more will be coming out on the next episode of the Billy Gilmore podcast, which will be covering the 2006 Happy Madison produced motion picture, Grandma's Boy. Hooray. Hey, woo! Everyone, you know, 420, smoke them if you got them. Blood <laughs> Guys, I am, I am legit excited. This movie, you know, like, even during sort of my, 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 like, my, like, dark years of kind of being checked out of Sandler. I was obsessed with this movie. I watched it like every day my freshman year of college. I was never even really a weed guy. I just like I just loved this movie so much. Um one of my great Vulcan memories one night when I was working with our friend Danny was watching it and just you know quoting the whole thing. Um it's and it's such a victory lap for Happy Madison and uh and you know many of Sandler's collaborators and you know friends throughout the year so i can't think of a better thing to start our new podcast chapter with it's gonna be rad um yeah and we you know we kind of came to that one for a few you know in a few different for a few different reasons that movie has a 
out of all the Happy Madison, the non-Sandler starring Happy Madison movies, Grandma's Boy might be the most prominently, like pre-Netflix, it's probably the most well-remembered, has the biggest following, has a legit, like, intense cult following. Um, and Alan Covert is the star of it, and that's the only movie that Alan Covert has been the star of, is oh. Grandma's Boy. And so it felt like a perfect transition movie because we don't really need to build up to it and we don't really need to pay it off in any way with like further Alan, there's no further Alan covert vehicles. And so we will be discussing, um, we'll be, we'll be, uh, you know, getting back hopefully on a more regular schedule as we go forward in this year, this, you know, we move out of summer and stuff. Um, but don't, don't go anywhere. Keep your subscriptions to the Billy Gilmore podcast. Continue to tell your friends we're going to be covering grandma's boy and unveiling our grant the way marvel does with their like 10-year plans where it's like okay in like october of 2026 you're getting shang chi seven and it's like oh boy um that's gonna be us in the next episode and that's that's you, you have my word um so yeah i think before we sign off we should do our categories one last time for sandler we'll revisit those for we'll see what makes sense uh for the post sandler movies um, for categories, we might be seeing some new categories. Some, you know, some might be sticking around. But uh, let's 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 see. Let's see what's uh, what, what we got in this movie. So, as always, we have these three categories. We've got our product placement watch. We've got Sandler Squad, and we've got Slumming Love Interest. Uh, don't think slumming because of the relationship dynamic. No slumming, slumming, no slumming love interest here. Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler are a delightful couple together, and uh, it doesn't feel like. Oh, how could these two people be together? It's like, no, they make sense. They, they, yeah. they, they've aged into Adam Sandler has aged into looking like he could plausibly hold down uh, Jennifer Aniston. Um, and you know, I, I gotta say, I dig the mustache look in this movie. I think yes. he looks very handsome. Um, I, I enjoy their lived-in banter, which was a feature also in the underrated. Just go with it, but it's even better here. Um, and there's no kind of rom-com contrivances to keep them together like they're like they're together they're solid they enjoy spending time together i really do love sandler and anson together and it is a distinct very distinct chemistry than the special one that he shares with barrymore those are i think probably two of his best uh, female collaborators um, and they do different things together which i think is great um yeah so i certainly hope they do more uh you know solve more mysteries together in the future um, so no slumming love interest. Um, so we got product placement watch and I've been noting these throughout the, throughout the episode, but just to recap, um, and as always fill me in, if I'm forgetting any of these, we've got Claritin, we've got Amazon, we've got Allegra, we've got Glide, Monster Energy, we've got Flamin' Hot Cheetos, We've got uh, Labatt's. He drinks Labatt's Blue as his beer. Um, so maybe he is. Maybe that's why they have passports. Maybe he's going to Canada all the time for the Labatt's. Um, it was shot in Canada, so maybe there you go. Yeah. Um, so Labatt's. We've got Under Armour. We've got Tag Tag Hewer Hauer. How do you say that? Uh, Tag Hauer. Um, you got Peroni. You got Peanut M and M's. You got Marshalls, and you've got Target. Um, <laughs> You could maybe, as an edge case, say that Ferrari is one, but they don't. They don't do too much. Like, I mean, it's just a Ferrari. I mean, like, they don't do too much selling that. So, I, I would say maybe not. Um, so that's product placement watch. Is there anything I'm forgetting? 
I don't think so. You mentioned the beer. Uh, I can't think of anything. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, and for Sandler Squad, we, of course, have the wonderful and talented Jennifer Aniston uh, joining uh, after Just Go With It. Of course, uh, famously uh, at the – was it the Golden Globes? Jennifer Aniston shouted out Adam, to Adam Sandler and said that thing about your magic is real. Oh, that's right. That was awesome. And it was like a real, like, when it was like the whole industry was finally like, oh, yeah, I'm saying this cool and we like him. And to see like Jennifer Aniston be like, no, you don't understand. This guy's always been great. And it's like, <laughs> oh, respect, huge respect. Um, let's see. We've got. Um, uh, Alan Covert. Alan, yes, Alan Covert is the tourist dad. Um, is that is that it? Jackie and the other Sandlers again. Jackie, yes, Jackie yeah. and the Sandlers. So there's one in here that's quoted on IMDb as being an uncredited credit of oh. Jonathan Loughran. And oh. I have I have scrubbed through this train station scene, and there are two people that could be him, but it is a far reach to say that he's in this. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we'll put him as an asterisk. We'll put him as like a provisional Sandler Squad member in this. But yeah, that seems that seems like a stretch. Um. So yeah, that's the Sandler Squad members in uh, in Murder Mystery, um, and that that does it for our Adam Sam. Until of course, of course, I, I, I neglected to mention. Of course, the day that fucking Adam Sandler puts out a new movie. No matter what we're doing, if we're fucking like, if I join like a research team in the Arctic, like I'll still be on Zoom, you know, <laughs> ready to record whenever these new movies come out. So absolutely, you know, we'll, this will continue to be an unfolding, uh, an unfolding living document. Um, you know, it, it'll it'll never be finished like Kanye West's new album, uh, which is going to be a <laughs> reference that will definitely be topical by the next time an Adam Sandler movie comes out. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think I think that does it. I uh, you know I want to thank thank y'all, my co-hosts, for being such incredible hosts. I, I don't mean to keep making the sound final. We just have to mark it. We got to mark it somehow. It's like we're gonna yeah. keep going, but it's we just need to take a moment to acknowledge like what it is we've done here. It's 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 cool. It's very cool. It's special. It means a lot, and uh, you know, it never has to end. Uh, yeah. I think later this week I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit uh, that's my boy for starters just just because. <laughs> and if I think this is maybe the uh, maybe one of the few actors uh, that have actually watched their entire filmography. Uh, it's not. Yeah. I mean, you know, I not counting you know some minor roles, but like starring roles, seeing everything. I mean, it's like I've seen Sandler and I've seen. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not there's not that many I could think of. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it's just so like, yeah, I mean, if you <laughs> two years ago, I mean, I think we did we did like sort of game it out, but if it's like, oh, like it'll be two and a half years by the time you get to the end of Sandler's filmography, it's like I think like in the back of my head I knew that. But like to think of like being here now, it's like, wow, we've come a long a lot's different. Like we've come a long way. And it's and it's yeah. and it's very cool. And it's and yeah, if, and if anyone out there listening, if it's made you, you know, obviously like we don't expect like perfect, uh, perfect agreement with our, our crazy opinion that a lot of these malign Sandler movies are good. But if it's made you think about any of these movies in any, uh, in any way, like more charitable or more accommodating, or maybe like in a slightly like, okay, like, what is this? I know what this movie isn't doing, but maybe there's something it is doing that I can, that I can latch on to. You know, if we've conveyed any of that, 
to anyone, I think that's a success for me. Um, yeah, I like. I want to like. I'd, I'd like to say that I think the the attitude with which we've approached these movies, especially the ones that are that are agreed to be poor, um, I think I think just doing this project has, has I hope made me a more uh, positive and generous movie watcher like you know for what 10 years i only heard the grown-ups movies or jack and jill say be talked about with not just like oh that's bad but like with contempt and like how dare he and uh remember like like this guy used to be talented and ambitious and look look at the lows with which he you know like like he sunk and i finally watched them and jack and jill is just too bizarre and wild to to dismiss and grown-ups are just nice and fun movies and i realized like oh wow like this is a, this is a whole other can of worms that we don't need to get into but like i like to think that and and i hope this is true for maybe our listeners too like you can you don't have to think about the consensus when you approach a movie yeah sure we're all into movies and of course we all pay attention to how things are received how your friends like you know you know uh respond to movies how some of your favorite critics might respond to them but do your best to go into this stuff with, you know, with good faith and good engagement. You might actually find yourself enjoying something if you just get rid of the noise. And so much of the noise is fleeting and faddish and group thanky. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm glad we did this because not only was it a, a lovely way to revisit some of my favorites, but I found myself really taken with movies that I was not expecting to be taken with. It's It's been a joy. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, we we have any 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 last notes before we wrap up this this first this first book of Billy Gilmore? <laughs> I think we're good. Um, if at some point you fellows want to do like a side episode of maybe ranking our favorites, we don't have to. But I think that's, I think that's, that's a I think that's a good we we can I think that's a good call. We can Ooh. we can be talking about that. In addition, to Rand, that's going to be hell to do for me, at least. Uh, ranking is not one of my favorite things, but uh, we can try. <laughs> All right. So I think if that does it, if that is uh, if that is us closing the book on uh, the, the 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 prequel trilogy of the uh, of the <laughs> Billy Gilmore saga, um, it's been wonderful. Uh, you know, I can't thank all of you enough, my hosts and listeners included. Um, as always, I'm Wilson Smith. Chris Giles and Austin Cole. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you for our next episode on Grandma's Boy.